This is Unfiltered, episode 135, for March 4th, 2015. And we begin with new questions about the private email account Hillary Clinton used as Secretary of State. The Associated Press traced her emails to an internet service based at the Clinton's home in Chappaqua, New York. Computer experts say a private server would give Clinton a great deal of control over her messages. Welcome to Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Hey, Chris. You know, speaking of the news that you shouldn't be watching, Yeah, I was technically watching the news today. That's okay. You can watch it if you want. The Unfiltered Show is your excuse not to watch the news because we'll watch it for you. True, true. But so I mean, if you, I mean, you and I kind of have to follow the news. Yeah. So it's not unusual for you to watch the news, really, that, if you that, think about that's it. That's true. That's true. I, <laughs> I just, I just wanted to. You, know, you were full trying disclosure. to segue into. I know you screwed it up. <laughs> you screwed it up, man. I'm sorry. No, now, now I'm gonna get fired up. No. Yeah! <laughs> so see, right. Chase, Chase, and I have both had. Oh. And oh, too much caffeine. I have, I have, I have a couple of interesting things to share with Ooh. you. So, but you have yours is more interesting. You think mine's more interesting? I think so. You think so? Yeah, I think so. All right. I don't know. I mean, uh, okay, because you went inside the belly of the beast today. I, I literally went inside the belly of the and beast, and like today. I think that that to me that feels pretty important. Yeah, I had an incredible opportunity, um, and I got to pay my visits, uh, visits, my visit to Como. Four uh, Channel Four K O M O in downtown Seattle. <laughs> yeah, one of our local news, and and they're owned now by uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, which owns tons, which and tons like of like 112 stations. Yeah, uh, the, it's crazy. So you're down in the belly of the beast, I'm sussing in, out their setup. I'm, I'm checking it out. You and, see any cool tech? Oh my god, there's so many cool things that that I didn't even know that they do in this facility. So originally. Uh, the plans for this facility, which, by the way, is like a state-of-the-art data center, you know, fiber mm. everywhere. It's Fisher just, Plaza, yeah. It used to be Fisher Plaza. It's now called Como Plaza. Oh, you know, I liked Fisher Plaza better. I know. Yeah, Funny. me too. Yeah. So, so this facility is just beautiful. It's massive. Uh, you know, just do a Google Earth search and, and check out the street view. It's, it's, oh, it's I a, should. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. But inside, it's like a TARDIS. It looks small on the outside, but it's so big on the inside. And, I mean, their data center is like they have more space than they can ever imagine because originally they're gonna ho- they were going to host a colo there. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they- I actually used to work for a company that had our data center colo in uh, Fisher Plaza. Yeah, so they do obviously have some some dedicated stuff, but not as much as the big scope as they were, th- they were thinking about and hoping for. Uh, but that being said, so originally, uh, like we said, this was Fisher Plaza. It was owned by the Fisher family uh, for nearly over 100 years. No relation. No relation <laughs> relation to the, to the Fisher clan. However, uh, Fisher owned about 11 stations in western Washington, Idaho, California, and so forth, and Oregon, of course. Yeah. And every one of those stations still to this day – Feed into oh yeah feed into Como sure so there's someone on duty 24 seven in their network operations center which by the way it's HD plasmas anymore it's like it's it's like something it, in the movies if we watch like you know a, you know Anderson Cooper and we watch you know uh, you know Wolf in the Situation Room and we see all these screens and of course Shep oh yeah this 
this puts them to shame. No. Okay. No. Yes. The director's chair. I'm like, I'm geeking out so hard. I got to check out the the set. By, by the way, the, uh, I was there to like almost four. So Mary Nam was getting ready. I got to see her. Eric Johnson's over there. And I'm like, look at these guys. Look at these guys. I got to go check out where Steve Poole does his forecast. Really? They nice. Have two, you saw the green screen? They have two separate green screens. Yeah. So they have this weather center where they do all their, their studying and stuff. And he's got his own green screen there. Yeah. And then like uh, maybe 50 yards down the hall is the actual main set. Right. So at 4 o'clock, he does his forecast from that green screen. And then at 5 and 6, he does them from the in-studio Makes screen all the screen. difference. Makes- and, I, and I got to check all that out. And Studio B and yeah. Studio C. So like, oh, so cool. Did you take? Did I, did I, did I let you take pictures? Uh, no, I couldn't do that. Yeah, okay, it wouldn't be proper. So uh, you want to know what I did today? What did you do, Chris? Can you top that, Chris? No, no, I did though. This is kind of weird. Okay, I got acupuncture today. What? Yeah, yeah. Like I, on your spine and stuff. I'm or gonna, what? Yeah, I'm gonna talk about it in a tech talk. I'm, I'm where I'm doing. I was okay, doing a little reconnaissance right. for tech talk today. Reconnaissance. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I was you know I'm not so sure I wasn't so sure if I bought into the whole uh, acupuncture thing, but the dude's like so he gets all these needles in me right. That's and what he, you call and, them. And he comes around to my uh, <laughs> like little spikes. He comes around to my right arm and he's like, "All right, now these ones are going to be a little sparky." Sparky? And I that's what I exactly what I said. I said sparky. Like okay, funny guy. Uh-huh. He puts it in my arm. It was like every other point. Somebody had just touched electricity too really quick. Every other needle. Now are these are these attached to electrodes? Or are no. these just needles in you? Needles in me. Every other needle lit up on, like for a second. Like, like oh my gosh, it hurt. And then he's like, "Are you all right?" And I'm like, "It took me a second. And I was like, "I think so." And then he put the next one in, and it kind of happened again, only not as bad. So, so why, why are you? Why? Why was the what was the problem? I've been having these. I've been having like this restless. Talk to Doctor Shade. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Talk. All right. I'll, I'll pull up a chair. Yeah. I've please. been having these uh, like restless leg syndrome thing at night. Mm-hmm. Only it's anywhere in my body. Could be mm-hmm. in my leg. Mm-hmm. Could be in an arm. Mm-hmm. Could be in my back. Mm-hmm. It, it's anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell me about your childhood, Chris. So, <laughs> so I was like, so I, so I, I'm, 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 I've been talking about it. I started last week on, uh, or a week ago in Tech Talk. I've been doing Friday updates. Wow. So I'm doing an update on on this challenge, and so this is something wait, I was this was trying. a challenge. Well, no, I'm trying to fix the problem. So this oh, is something okay. I tried to fix. So then now I can talk about it in the show. So I tried it out, oh. and it was nuts. So that was that's story number one. I got okay. two stories. So see, I, I, mine are not as cool All as right. yours, but okay. I got two stories. Okay. Right. Story number two. Uh, number two. Story number true. Number two. Number two. Both more, true stories. More needling. <laughs> so, uh, you know, from time to time, we've had MacBooks here in Jupiter Broadcasting. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I remember the one that we used to use extensively when we were about uh, at, over at JBHQ. So we had this 2011 model MacBook Pro that got that fell victim to this common graphics card. Yeah, issue. I know. I wanted to borrow it, and you're like, "It's dead, man." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so Apple just uh, like announced a re- like a small repair program. What? Even out of warranty. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. And so they're like, yeah, we'll fix it. I was like, all right, great, for free. And so they're running the test in there and, and like the battery failed because the thing sat on my shelf for like a oh, year. Oh, yeah, it was sitting there because you couldn't use it. And so they, and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah so at first it wasn't working right, but they got that, they got it powered up long enough so they could actually fail the graphics test. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll take it and we'll repair it for you. So they bring it in the So like, you had to do it at the Apple store? You had to go yeah, down? Yeah, you take okay. it down to the Apple store. Okay. And they right. booted it up. And they actually, even though I've never been able to get the screen to work, they managed to get the screen wow. to work somehow by holding down like some sort of key combo. Right. Uh, anyway, so they they fix it in a couple of days and call us up and like, all right, come get it. Okay, and we take our time because you know who cares, you know. Yeah, go down there, get it, pick it up, and and Angela looks at the receipt and she sees batteries listed on there. She's like, what? Wait, battery? Like, yeah, we wouldn't have gave you a new battery too. <gasps> what? 
Yeah, like, that's like two hundred bucks. They just threw in a whole new battery, so they so they fixed the laptop out of warranty and threw in a whole new battery. And now I'm gonna put Arch on that thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna have an Arch Linux running MacBook Pro. It's gonna be sweet. Oh, yeah. I love that. I you know I, we were talking about that MacBook, and it would have been nice to have to do like mobile broadcasts. Mm-hmm. You know because. Uh, well, you know, I know a lot of Linux guys, you know, would love to, to you know, be 100% Linux. I know like Wirecast, unfortunately, there's some tools of the trade that, you know, there's no open source solution for. But, but it's nice, to, close, it's but nice that they did yeah, that. And so, yeah, yeah that's I'm awesome. A, I'm going to put, uh, put Arch on it, though. Uh, anyways. Well, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I think my, my, I suspect that since it's a little bit older of a MacBook. Oh, and it's still, it's like an i7. Yeah. 2.3 gigahertz, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 512 megabyte SSD. And so, and it's got Nvidia graphics. No, it's ATI. Oh, it's but ATI. It's, but it's still got it's got that it's oh, okay. got the Intel where it's Intel or ATI. But yeah, but it, but you could do you know, obviously with Arch you'll be able to do some mild gaming on there. So uh, I think because it's a little bit older, I don't think it'll be much of a challenge. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you know what we haven't done at the top of the show for a while. Uh, I know an NSA update. You got it, buddy. Yes. So let's do one. Uh, we got two of them for you. So uh, your buddy, your good friend, my good friend, James Clapper. Ah, Clapper. Uh, How's he you doing? Know, you know, head of the, all the intelligence agencies. Yeah. Uh, he's concerned about the serious dysfunction in Washington, and uh, well, let's listen to what he has to say and break it down for hmm. you. Keeping track of threats against America is the job of James Clapper, the director of national intelligence. Today, in an interview from my PBS program, I asked him how he balances calls for better surveillance with accusation that the government goes too far. Nice plug there, Charlie. I've been on the receiving end of virtually all the post-event critiques and investigations to include 9-11 and since. He says he's been on the end of all post-event investigations, and I'm thinking, is he talking about the fact that he lied? Under oath? Yeah. Is that what he's talking about? about? What about that? No, that's not what he's talking about. And I do find some irony in in light of all the other fall over the last two years that a common theme of every one of those critiques. A common theme of every one of those critiques was that you're a liar, that the representatives uh, do not get informed by you, so therefore they cannot make informed decisions on behalf of the people. Mm -hmm. You're lying into the public record, so the people that are watching, that are making their electoral decisions, cannot make the proper decisions. Mm -hmm. that, That is probably... With that, I would assume, Mr. Clapper, is the common theme you're seeing and that you go too far, that you are violating the to, the rights of the of the people, maybe that you are flushing the Constitution, <laughs> shredding it. Is that the common theme, James Clapper? It has been that the government should have been more intrusive. Uh, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. What was that? Let's, you, get, you got a DVR, right? Hold on. Let's play that back. Let's play that back because I didn't understand because it you didn't sound like that's – You know what we really need? Yeah, we need that yeah, TV sound. <laughs> yeah. That a common theme of every one of those critiques has been that the government should have been more intrusive. Was- um, um. What? Okay. True with the Christmas bomber, it's true with Fort Hood, and it's true with the Boston Marathon. And that meant to you what? Well, it means that we're supposed to surveil, uh, do more intensive surveillance of, of people who live. See, now we have to remember the 702 program, the bulk collection program, where they're just grabbing up internet data. Mm-hmm. That's still happening. Yeah. That's still, that hasn't stopped. That was going on during the Boston bombing. In this country. Yeah. So citizens. the irony is that they want you, in terms of those specific instances, uh, there's a call for more intrusiveness, right. and yet the response to the Edward Snowden disclosures is you're exactly. too intrusive. 
The only people that are calling for more intrusiveness are all of the politicians and son of bitches that we mm. cover on this show who capitalize on these emergencies to, to ram through new policies. Yep. Those are the only people calling for more surveillance is the very people that are sitting in these agencies that want more money, that need to get more funding in there. Those are the people calling for more surveillance. Nobody's act. The citizens are not calling for more surveillance. Exactly. Do you have the tools and the resources now to do the job that we expect you to do? With- you are surveilling everyone in the world. You have literally collected three days worth of Internet traffic. Do you have enough? respect to we will do our best sometimes people ask me you know what keeps you awake at night well i worry about the dysfunction in washington you know having furloughs and shutdowns and what keeps you up at night i hate that this is this is coming to common parlance by by the way remember you know we're trying to give something for the people who listen audio he's his eyes are closed when he's saying this, you know, and he's, he's not just, making, he's eye, not making contact. eye contact. He's just kind of saying it, you know, underneath, you know, so, yeah. Uh, having part of the national security apparatus held hostage like this. This is during, of course, the uh, threat that the DHS would be shut down. Well, I worry about uh, the, the impact on morale and uh, keeping, uh, peeping, keeping the great people we brought on in the intelligence community since 9-11. That's really what this was about. That was him. This is him going out there and making a stink during the possible shutdown of the DHS, which was never going to happen. Right. All right. So let's talk about uh, Edward Snowden, the other side of the NSA coin. Mr. Russia. This has been getting some attention this week. The fact that he wants to come home. What? All of a sudden, supposedly? Former NSA contractor Edward Snowden is ready to come home, and that's exactly what he will do if he can ensure a fair trial. That's all according to one of the whistleblower's attorneys, Anatoly Kucherina, who spoke to journalists in Russia today. Kucherina said that Edward Snowden is ready to return to the U.S., but on the condition that he be given guarantees to receive a fair and impartial trial. Wait, wait a minute. Okay. I understand why he's saying this. Yeah. But isn't that, I don't know, part of the fabric of our Constitution, Chris, that, you know, you get a fair and impartial trial? Uh, so the problem is uh, that, you know, essentially he's been, what he's, he's, he, I'm softballing. When he came in, it was, okay. So when he asked, you know, if I come home, will I get a fair trial? His answer, the answer that the United States government gave him was, well, we'll guarantee you won't, we, you won't get capital punishment. Now, the problem is that's a prosecutor, not a judge, saying you're not going to be killed. Right. How can that person make that decision? They can't, so it's, it, unless it, there's a plea deal. It stinks of it stinks of possible, like, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a show court, and then boom, you're done, you're, you know, you're convicted. Uh, and so, though this is also nothing new. Snowden's been saying this, uh, I have it linked in the show notes, you know, we have, a, we yeah, have an easy for quote. a while. He said it in, I think, his NBC interview in October. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, all right. So anyway. This has, of course, been the major sticking point since Edward Snowden fled the country and sought asylum in Moscow. Since then, U.S. officials have been highly critical of his decision not to return to the U.S., thereby evading any kind of trial. Those critics argued that he should face the music if he indeed feels he has nothing to hide and that he did nothing wrong. Snowden addressed that Face criticism the for the first time last May in an interview with NBC's Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Looking back, you know, it's funny how many times we heard that phrase, he should come home and face the music. That was really yep. used over and over yep. again. A he's, a, he's a coward. Yeah, he should face the music. Yeah. I think he should face the music, you know. I mean, I can't comment on what he did and what he disclosed, but, but at the end of the day, I think he should face the music, yep. you know. Stop hiding. Yeah, all else is, I think you should... Yeah, exactly. All right. Anyways, yeah, Brian Williams. And here's what he had to say. When people say, uh, why don't you go home and face the music, I say, you have to understand that the music is not 
an open court and a fair trial. At this point, the only assurance that Snowden has received, received regarding the issue is a promise from the U.S. Attorney General that the government will not seek out a capital punishment yeah, offense. Yeah. In response, Kucherina said, what we are being guaranteed is not the fair trial, but that Snowden will not be executed. And it's done by a prosecutor who, according to the law, is not in any way able to determine a court's decision. So there's a lot of concern. That was what I was trying to say. Yep. I, I didn't even know. I forgot that was in the clip. Uh, so that's that. And isn't that f- seem a little fishy to you? Yeah, it yeah. totally does. Yeah. So well, uh, when I heard about it, I was just like, well, that's that's a given. I think that's what he wants. But obviously, th- no matter what they say, they meaning the government or attorneys or prosecutors, it, it doesn't matter. So uh, why is this coming back up again? Uh, is his time uh, for asylum coming up again? Wouldn't this be an interesting um, or that's is that the word asylum? No, I think he's got about a year. Wouldn't yeah, this okay. be this would be an interesting thing to develop? I wonder if maybe the Obama administration wants to wrap this up under his term, if possible. Ooh, like like the oh, I see a potential red book opportunity here. You think they're trying to like? So you think about it from a legacy standpoint. When you leave office, that's wouldn't that be nice to have that kind of cleaned up by the the president grants. Snowden. No, no, no. <laughs> no way, no way, no way. You know what? His final send off as president of the United States. He says, "You know, you know, you know, Chris. I, I think I'm gonna have Snowden come on back." He can't do that because of the precedent. It would, you know. No, it, it's like uh, I don't believe the um, NSA. You know, didn't do you want to red book that? No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Because I don't think that happened. All right. You know, somebody's offered to help us out with the Red Book. Uh, If you wrote into the show, we're not neglecting you. We're just too busy to respond to you. Uh, We do have some updates we're going to give you guys about the show very soon. But we just wanted to get into some news first before we, uh, you know, talk about the show. Yes. Uh, But uh, if you were the person out there that wanted to write write an online Red Book for us and manage that, email Angela at JupiterBroadcasting.com. Angela at JupiterBroadcasting.com. Thank you very much. So did you catch this uh, net nut Yahoo uh, coming in, talking to Congress, making a brouhaha? Did you catch any of this? To the the who? Really? Okay. So uh, this is interesting. Different people I've talked to have heard about this. Other people haven't. So uh, net – oh, you know what? I'll just play the clip. I'll just play the clip. I'll just thank you, America. Oh, Oh, yeah, I heard about this. Thank you for everything you've done for Israel. Before this very eager U.S. Congress, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu proceeded to absolutely blast the prospect of a nuclear deal with Iran that he called the enemy. That deal will not prevent Iran from developing nuclear weapons. It would all but guarantee that Iran gets those weapons, lots of them. That's why this deal is so bad. It doesn't block Iran's path to the bomb. It paves Iran's path to the bomb. What he objects to in this deal, being worked out by the U.S. and its allies with an end-of-this-month deadline, it would not require Iran to demolish any nuclear facility. Thousands of centrifuges would allow about a year of what's called breakout time. How long it would take Iran to make a nuclear bomb if it decided to would possibly only have a 10 year time frame. And Netanyahu says more inspections of facilities would only be able to document Iran's potential progress towards a weapon, but wouldn't be able to stop it. The world should demand that Iran do three things. First, stop its aggression against its neighbors in the Middle East. Second, stop supporting terrorism around the world. And third, 
stop threatening to annihilate my country, Israel, the one and only Jewish state. Well, he got a huge reception here. The White House not impressed. President Obama didn't even watch the speech, but he did use nearly 15 minutes responding to it. Uh, the prime minister didn't offer any viable alternatives. Now, the alternative that the prime minister offers is no deal, in which case Iran will immediately begin once again pursuing its nuclear program, accelerate its nuclear program, without us having any insight into what they're doing. That seems pretty accurate and obvious to me. Yeah. And without constraint. Now, uh, I, I also also tend to agree with uh, Bibi that uh, it, it does give them uh, – essentially, they are going to be able to develop – like, so – He's right. Netanyahu is right, I think, in some ways. At the same time, what are you going to do? We're going to go to war? Well, yeah. Well, and he's— And if Israel goes to war, that means we go to war. Right. And well, and during his speech, he, he talked about, you know, how we're not going to stand alone if we have to. But then he says, well, we don't have to worry about standing alone because we got the U.S. at our back. Yeah. I mean, he said that in his speech. Yeah. And which means boots on the ground. That's exactly what that means. Now, uh, this is a particularly precarious situation. It seems pretty tense. Now, you only you got to figure Netanyahu can only make this move because it's Obama's. He's lame dunk. Right. Duck. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to gain too much more favor with Obama. Right. He did just piss off a whole bunch of Democrats, but he doesn't yeah. really care. He's got an election to win. And by the way, he, he kind of formed it as like a good bad sandwich, where he actually did give points during the the presentation that you know, hey, well, Obama's not all bad. You know, he's right. done some good stuff for us. Yeah. But and, yeah. and here comes the backhand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he he's you know he's yeah. got an election right now. He's yeah, got totally. to look tough. Yeah. Uh, this, however, this this has played out badly in the past for the for the is- Israeli prime minister in the past at least. Uh, I will play. Uh, this is the way back machine from NBC. We'll go back to there's. Is this Brightway? No, oh, unfortunately not. Okay. But there was another president who had the prime minister come in and talk directly to Congress and bypass him. Mm. President Bush, the first Bush. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Read my lips. This is Time Machine music right here. During the Gulf War in 1991, Saddam Hussein retaliated against coalition forces by firing Scud missiles at targets in Israel. Once again, the air raid sirens sent millions of Israelis scrambling for gas masks and sealed rooms. The U.S. asked the Israelis not to retaliate, and they agreed, holding their fire when 11 Scud missiles landed within Israel. In exchange, the Israelis asked for $3 billion to pay for the damage, and $10 billion in loan guarantees to ease the burden of incoming Soviet Jews. Thousands of Jews from the Soviet Union are flooding into Israel this year. In tent villages all over Israel, families wait for homes. The request for so much money surprised the White House. With an ask that large, the Bush administration felt like it had new leverage to pursue a peace deal between Israelis and Palestinians. What Israelis are more worried about is pressure from Washington to compromise with the Palestinians. Israel would get the money, but only if it went to the negotiation table to discuss Gaza and the West Bank. The Israelis are concerned that the U.S. is going to pressure them into making concessions. We will make our demands and they will make their demands. But we're not Look how young he is there. Wow, huh? yeah. He's so handsome. Looking snappy. But still fierce. Prepared to negotiate one thing. Our neck, our head, our heart, our existence. I want to replay Baby there. Let's replay him. But we're the U.S. is going to pressure them into making concessions. We will make our demands and they will make their demands. But we're not prepared to negotiate one thing. Our neck, 
our head, our heart, our existence. Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir took a hard line with President Bush. Israel is attempting an end run around the president, appealing directly to Congress to back its request for $10 billion in loan guarantees. President Bush is demanding a delay and threatening a veto if he doesn't get it. More than a thousand lobbyists descended on Capitol Hill, pushing Congress to approve loan guarantees for Israel. But Bush held a hard line, too. Well, I was heard today there were something like a thousand lobbyists on the Hill working the other side of the question. Watch this. Watch. Now, he laughs just like like Junior does. <laughs> well, of course, Junior laughs like he does. But watch the laugh and tell me if it doesn't creep you out a little bit. You got one lonely little guy down here doing it. So, uh, so. Uh, Israeli leaders are shocked at the harshness of President Bush's yeah, yeah, All yeah. of this took place against the backdrop of an Israeli election. 120,000 Russian immigrants will vote for the first time. 250,000 new young voters. Shamir's bad relationship with Bush, his insistence on building settlements, and his inability to secure the loans to deal with the homeless immigrants weighed down his campaign. His opponent, Yitzhak Rabin, promised to be more flexible about negotiating for peace, even if it meant curbing Israeli settlements. Doing so won Rabin the vote in Israel and the support of the Bush administration. The ruling Likud party has been dealt a clear defeat in today's parliamentary elections. Just six weeks after the election, the new prime minister, Yitzhak Rabin, made a trip to President Bush's private residence in Kennebunkport, where he finally secured the loan guarantees. We would like uh, to make sure that uh, there is better and more intimate relationship between our two countries. Yeah, that's NBC. They publish some stuff now just online, which is kind of cool. I thought CNN started doing that, too. They have. Yeah. yeah, yeah everybody's trying to do the online exclusive and thing. And that's actually kind of a little bit of interesting background there, yeah. I thought, too, which yeah. is kind of nice for them to toss that in there. Totally. Uh, now, uh, we have some. Uh, we have a lot of news to get to. And then we also I want to talk a little net neutrality, too. Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> why don't we do, uh, let's finish off, well, let's do this. Let's follow up on David Petraeus. Remember pa- pa- Paula Broadwell and David yeah, Petraeus? Yeah, nice jog in the woods. And my, my theory has been that all along that they're trying to make sure that David Petraeus never runs as a Republican president because right. if he ran for a Republican president— He would be a shoe in Hands down, he'd win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And apparently they don't actually want a Republican to win, so— No, they, they want Hillary. Apparently. Well— because if they wanted a good president like to win, I mean, I'm not saying he'd make a good president. I'm just saying he would <laughs> right, win. Right. Like if they wanted a good candidate, it'd be David Petraeus. Well, yeah, because he's not bought and paid for. So my my estimation is this has been and and it's not just me being crazy. Like he actually was starting to put together a campaign and starting to actually. Yeah, no, he was running. laying the gl- uh, groundwork yeah. and feelers. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's follow up on where he's at now. And what is he doing? More running. To plead guilty to a misdemeanor charge that he gave his mistress classified material days before he became director of the CIA. In a plea deal, federal prosecutors are recommending two years probation, no prison, and a $40,000 fine. More now from national security correspondent David Martin. Man, does Charlie look dead in the face or what? I don't mean I, well, to be mean. He, he probably just had a late night doing a show on PBS. He does work very hard. He's yeah, got he the morning show, he's got the PBS show, and he's filling in for Scott. So I mean, but he—he's tired. He—they've got way too much makeup on him, and so his eyes just don't look right. <laughs> or someone hit him in the eye. Court documents show America's most revered general gave his biographer Paula Broadwell little black books he knew contained highly classified information, and lied about it to the FBI. The information was in five by eight black books in which he took notes while commander of the war in Afghanistan. 
According to the documents, the books contained information classified above top secret and included notes of discussions with President Obama. Mm. In a conversation recorded by Broadwell, Petraeus told her they are highly classified, some of them. I mean, there's code word stuff in there. And they got that on recording of him, supposedly. Oof. In August of 2011, Petraeus delivered eight of the notebooks to a house where she was staying in Washington. He collected them five days later, just before he became director of the CIA, and took them to his own house. <laughs> later, when confronted by FBI agents, Petraeus maintained, according to the court documents, he had never provided any classified information to Broadwell. Petraeus was not charged with lying to the FBI, which is a felony, apparently because there was no transcript of that interview. After it was revealed he was also having an affair with Broadwell, Petraeus resigned from the CIA and signed a document stating there is no classified material in my possession, custody, or control at this time, even though the notebooks were still stored in an unlocked desk drawer at Oops. his house. Oh, he just forgot about them. If convicted of mishandling classified information, Petraeus could have received a maximum punishment of one year in prison. His guilty plea, if accepted by a judge, would spare Petraeus any jail time, as well as a trial that surely would have revealed details of his affair with Broadwell. Mm. None of the classified information Petraeus gave Broadwell appeared in her book, so arguably no harm was done, except, of course, to his reputation and career. Charlie? Thanks, David. Yeah, and chances to run for president. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, the thing is, it's, I don't think it's all that unusual. Uh, the next story we're about to cover is about another high-level official storing important classified information at home. Oh, well, you know, as long as they're sharing with their mistress or, you know, person of interest, you know. Hey. But uh, do you think we should take a minute and do an update to the patrons on what we kind of talked about I, last I think, week? I think we should. We should pause here. You know, last week uh, we had a production meeting uh, mm-hmm. over some very, very tasty barbecue. Yes, we uh, did. Shout out to Sticky, or actually Big, Big Sticky's, Stickies. Big Sticky's Barbecue in Marysville. If you're ever in the Northwest and you're looking for a good tasty barbecue, head over yeah, there. But yeah, yeah. we were sitting down and we were thinking about, hey, what? A, can we do for our patrons? Because obviously you are the guys who keep the and show gals, going. I, well, guys is a general technical I, I do term. the same thing. But, you know, we wanted to, obviously, because you guys are the most important ones. You guys are the ones who keep the show going. Now, yeah, we love all you guys who download and check out the show. But really, it comes down to you, 353 of you, who keep the show going every single week. So we sat down and we thought about. And we're like, hmm, what can we do for the uh, for the unfiltered Patreon audience? So the first thing is, you know, A, we want to hear from you guys who support us on Patreon. You know, what are some of the things you like about the show? What are mm-hmm. the things you don't like about the show? Uh, it's not to say that we're going to make any major changes. That being said, we want your feedback because you guys are the ones who drive us. But secondly, we wanted to provide something more for you guys. And so, also, I think before maybe we get yeah, to that, yeah. also maybe mention we're going to make uh, – we're going to give another tier – Yes. To make it a little more accessible. That's what I was... And then we're going to roll something out for all the tiers, which is going to be really exciting. So so we know there's a lot of you guys out there, and obviously times are tough for all of us, uh, where, you know, you may not be able to come in at the $5 level because, uh, you know, that is the, the the low level that we have, $5. Now, granted, $5 is where you get access to the supporters. Supporter you get all of, the, like, the source code, the files, everything to the show. Right. You get access to the Patreon activity feed where we post stuff only exclusive to that level. Yes. It includes also uh, the uh, RSS feed to download the show, the supporters yes. edition show. Yeah. So should we fire the fanfare music? Do, 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 do. That one? Yeah, that one. No, not that one. <laughs> this one. 
So starting within the well, starting with today's show, we're going to be rolling it out, and we're going to be adding in the option here in the next day or two. Uh, we're going to be adding in a two dollar or uh, or more per month level, which will give you access to a thing that a lot of you guys have been wanting, and that is the unfilter post show. Yeah, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna make the. Uh, we've decided to take the post show back. And make it exclusive just to our supporters as a thank you. Yes. We're going to put up maybe a couple more clips in there. Yeah, we'll have a couple more clips. Feature a little bit of the overtime folder. We'll be a little bit looser as well. You know, obviously mm-hmm. we like to wind the show down. We hang out with mm-hmm. you guys in the chat room and everything. And obviously it gives you guys uh, something extra yeah. for supporting us at a lower level. Because we know not everybody can do the five. Yeah. But I, I bet you if – I mean, I would hope that this show is worth at least 50 cents a week. Think about it. We do at least four shows a month, yeah. sometimes five if we get five weeks. If you think this show is not worth 50 cents, just stop downloading. So, Seriously, uh, just stop. At, uh, So here's what you get. At $2 a month, you'll get access to the post show. $2 and above. Everything That's is right. everything you get everything yeah, above exactly. here above. Yeah. At five dollars a month and above, you get access to the post show, the supporter sync, all the BitTorrent sync feeds, the RSS feed, all of that goodness. Yes. Uh, and then of course we still have the swag levels. There is uh, right now, probably it's too late if you're listening by the time you're listening to this show, but we just ran a beard apocalypse swag giveaway. So all of the unfiltered swag that. club members are getting unfiltered swag. Nice. Because we didn't have an official show last week. We did also, by the way, for our Patreons. You had, a, had an update. An unfiltered update that's exclusive just to the patrons. People seem to really like it. So we'll yeah. do another one when we have a week off. Yeah. So also, as a Patreon of our show, when we take a break, most of the time, not always, because sometimes we have to take a break because something bad or we have, you know, we're, we're away from Mike. Yeah. But when we take a break, but yet we can still record something for you, then we release it exclusive to our patrons like we did last week when we right. didn't have a show. Yep. So, to recap, new tier level, $2 a month, you're going to get the post show and you're supporting the unfiltered show. You're gonna. That's pretty great. Then at five dollars, if you're if you're like most of you, where you're already at, you're getting now a bonus. You're getting the post show. You're gonna get the post show, and you're also gonna get access to the BitTorrent sync, the RSS feed, Nothing all of that there. stuff. You, all, you're gonna get the source code to all the shows, all the goodies. You'll get the full overtime folder. They'll have way more clips than we'll be able to play in just the post show. And then of course we have the other tiers that are also yeah. Extremely, and and also you know when you come in at two dollars or higher per month, or, or actually at any level. Even if no love at all, so you, all you can do is afford a dollar. You're actually jumping in and being a part of the community where you're helping drive the show. You're you're helping contribute and be a part of things. So you might ask, what are we going to do if we can get the Patreon numbers up? Uh, the number one thing we're going to do is we are going to bring on a producer that we can give some money to from this Patreon feed to help do some of the news collection, some of the clip analysis. Because take the load. Uh, yeah, I've been doing this now for 135 weeks, and I'm starting to get a little tired of doing yeah. it. Uh, honestly, it's just I I just can't do it every single night. Sometimes family things come up. It's just it's it's exasperating, and I, I don't, don't want to give it up. But I want to have somebody that can go through and do some of the research and has can dedicate themselves to it. So that way, Chase and I can focus on making the best show possible yeah. and have some of that back end stuff taken care of. Like you're gonna you you probably noticed like er, late er, earlier episodes. The, the the show notes would sync up pretty well with what you're hearing clip-wise. These days, it's not so much. The show notes and the clips are not exactly in sync, which isn't great. And I want to have somebody help us with that. We've talked about the Red Book before. Yeah. And then, additionally, beyond that, if we get this funding to a point that is actually sort of something that we could put a little money aside from time to time, then from time to time we'll do some traveling. But that's way down the road. That's gonna. There's other things between here and there. Yes, that's yeah. long term. The traveling though is still on the radar. It's extremely important for us to get. 
we want we want to make this thing a long term show in such that it's important to us to go out and sort of get some opinions from different areas, yeah, different experiences. That's right. something we want to work and record from there. Meet up with you people. That's yeah. something we want to work in. But on first, the street interviews, get and get opinions from you guys. The out immediate there. thing is is we want to get the numbers up a little bit so that way we can get some people to help us with the show a little bit. Just some back office stuff to take care of. There's a lot of little things on the back end that we need help with. That and then think, that will free up the time to yes. do those things. And the thing yeah. is, is and then if nothing else, then I can I. Can stop getting drowned by some of those tasks and focus more on the yeah. show, which would be really great. Yeah. Uh, and so we hope the two dollar uh, level makes it more accessible to a, a whole new group of you. And yeah. I hope that it's two dollars a month. I hope that means fifty gonna, cents a week. That means you're going to get you're going to get four shows yeah. uh, uh, normally uh, and the post show for two dollars a month. Yeah. I mean, we're really that's the lowest we've ever made it. If you think about when we started this, it was thirteen ninety nine. Thirteen thirty three. Oh yeah, right, right. Thirteen thirty-three. <laughs> that's right. It was yeah. thirteen thirty-three, and and we've walked it back. We've come. We've tried to come up with a structure that works for everybody because we we, we want to get the numbers up so that way we can make the show even better. But we are in this awkward phase where we need to have more people to make the show better, but we can't afford to hire more people to make the show better. Right. And it's it's getting it's extremely extremely stressful and aggravating for us. And if we can break through that, then we know we're on to bigger and better things. So go over to patreon.com slash unfilter and support your local unfilter show. And as the 2016 elections come up, even for those of you who are outside the U.S., I think the show is going to be very valuable. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So keep that in mind. Keep yeah. us going over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Chase, is there anything else we want to cover on that? We're going to have a, we're going to work some milestone stuff up soon. Yep. We'll get the new tier added. Yep, absolutely. But, you know, honestly, I just want to say a big thanks to all 353 of you uh, because, honestly – uh, you know, if you guys didn't step up to play in, you know, support us, you know, obviously we may not be here today. And, uh, you know, I love uh, being able to sit down here across the table, chat with Chris and chat with you guys and, and, and talk about the things that really matter and the news that you shouldn't be watching. So thanks oh so much. Oh, my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper. And now I'm out the door. I'm out of here. All right. So Freedom. Back, so back into the news. I yep. want to I'm sorry. Give 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 me a minute. I want to talk about the Hillary Clinton email things. Now, for for two reasons. Was she running this on a Linux box? Actually, I got three reasons. Number one, this has really interesting data security implications because she's not the only one doing this and is exposing the fact that she's not the only one doing this now. So we got to talk about that. Number two, she's obviously going to run for president. It's going to be this is going to be a dynamic. Yep. And number three, this is going to turn into a major investigation because of Benghazi, et cetera, et cetera. This is going to be something that we end up having to follow because it's going to turn into something bigger if they find something in there. So if you're if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, we'll start there first, and then we'll talk. We begin with new questions about the private email account Hillary Clinton used as Secretary of State. The Associated Press traced her emails to an Internet service based at the Clinton's home in Chappaqua, New York. Computer experts say a private server would give Clinton a great deal of control over her messages. Margaret Brennan is at the State <laughs> Department where officials now, say Chris? Clinton's private email. Now, Chris, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris uh, for the non-technical smart people of our audience, yeah. Is that statement, uh, since you are coming from an yeah. IT background, Chris, yeah. and you know you do have loads of experience yeah. in that area, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that statement true? Yeah, well, I, I have some links in the show notes. Oh, in fact, we should go into this a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if she has this server on her home premise, mm-hmm. a whole new set of laws apply, like freedom information requests, like have they have to go through her lawyers before they can get to the information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they were, if her emails were in the State Department servers, they get to it without having to go through her. Right. Yeah. So like, uh, uh, yeah, there's all there's I got I got I got a couple of different articles to talk about in the show notes. No. There's a whole different it's it is like when she's under investigations, it's it's if anything, if this Hillary Clinton story tells us anything, if you really want privacy, put your email in your own home. 
because it's a whole different ball game mm-hmm. in your home. Mails were not illegal. Margaret, good morning. Good morning. Well, Clinton's use of private email and servers gave her control over the account and helped shield it from public searches. Now, her aides are adamant there was nothing nefarious about these messages, but it all feeds perceptions that the potential presidential candidate was secretive and not transparent. <laughs> Let's go forth and win some elections. Thank you all very much. Speaking in Washington last night, Hillary Clinton smiled wide and avoided any mention of the controversy around her decision to use a personal account. All right, stop right there. What is she what is she holding in her hand? Uh, That looks like a Blackberry. Chase, do you suppose that Hillary Clinton configured that Blackberry or that an IT? (laughs) No, no, no. no, Do you think a State Department individual configured that Blackberry to be connected to her email? Oh, yes. So do you think it's likely the State Department, IT Department, knew for the entire time that she was using her own email server? Oh, yeah. Yeah, do you think a lot of people have known for a long time that Hillary Clinton used her own email server? In fact, maybe anybody that emailed HDR22 or whatever it was at ClintonEmail.com, that was her email address. <laughs> like It was something like Wait, HDR. ClintonEmail.com? Really? ClintonEmail.com, dude, yes. <laughs> Yes, Clinton email. That's her email address. Bill at ClintonEmail.com. Or, or StateGov.com. And, and HDR, you know what? That's interesting because oh. D is her uh, is her middle initial. That's right, yeah. Rodham is R, right? Yeah. So isn't it interesting that when it's in her personal email account, she's nope, dropping she's the Clinton. Clinton. She's not Clinton. Yeah, huh. yeah, huh. Not government email for all of her work messages as Secretary of State she was following would have been the practice of previous secretaries. Again, State Department spokeswoman Marie Harf said that's not illegal. There was no what? prohibition on using a non-state .gov account for official business as long as it's preserved. This is why this is a story, uh. in my opinion. That's how broken our government is. These these assholes. I thought there was a Federal Records Act. There is. Uh, yeah. But you, as long as you can, you as long as you follow the Federal Records Act, you can have it on your own email. Wow. Server. Head of the State Department yeah. isn't required to use State Department email. That's previous secretaries. Again. State Department spokeswoman Marie Harf said that's not illegal. There was no prohibition on using a non-state .gov account for official business as long as it's preserved. But Clinton aides did not submit those emails to government archives as required by a 2009 law. Republican Daryl Issa said that may have been an attempt to hide the content of those messages. Secretary Clinton's aides didn't hand over her emails to government records. Is that a failure or is that an oversight? Well, it's a failure to comply with the law that the secretary had to know about, that her aides had to know about. But in 2014, Clinton did hand over 55,000 pages after the State Department sent a written request for the records. Aides say they tossed out Clinton's personal notes like memos on her daughter's wedding. They claim nine out of every 10 emails were to State Department colleagues. Now, that's interesting because if that's true... If nine out of every ten emails are, just, then they would be in their email account. Hey, you know, Chris. To be fair, maybe she set this up because you know the configuration was really tough. You know, all the security yeah, yeah. and all the the layers. You, know, you got to get yeah. authorization from the Ooh, IT department. Who wants that? I mean, who wants to deal with that? Who wants that? I want Outlook to work at home. Damn it! Yeah, I know. I want my own Exchange server. And therefore, already in the department's computer system, spokesman Nick Merrill said there was every expectation they would be retained. Still, Republican Congressman Trey Gowdy claims Clinton withheld multiple email accounts and wants to know what's in them. The State Department cannot certify they have produced all of former Secretary Clinton's emails because they do not have all of former Secretary Clinton's emails. Mm. 
He's saying we don't have them all. That she had multiple accounts. They've only reported on one account, but he's saying she has multiple accounts, and we didn't get all of them. Former First Lady at Yahoo.com? <laughs> Former Secretary Colin Powell also used personal email. Condoleezza Rice said she didn't use her account for official communication. Uh, but, Gail, now that Clinton's messages have been handed over, they're all part of her permanent record here at the State Department. Oh, that's nice. All right, Margaret, thank you. That's so nice. Now, uh, what's interesting is... Uh, but I- she never explained why, right? We, we we don't know why she this was set up, right? Oh, well, you know why. No, I know, but there's no official answer. Did they ask, like, why'd you do this? And they just, is that like an obvious question that, that should I'm be sorry. asked? I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I know we may know the answer, but we need to get them on record. I'm sorry. Find, you, you're just wondering why somebody hasn't asked her why she has an email server at home? Yeah. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> sorry, Chase. We don't do that. That's not how it works. That's, wait, wait, wait. Common sense? That's not what? how it goes. Uh, I'm Godfrey. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, they uh, it actually, here's what's interesting. It, do you watch House of Cards? Uh, no spoilers, oh. no. Uh, well, if you watch House of Cards, the Clintons have themselves a Doug. And uh, his name is Eric Hotman, or Hotham. Uh, not only has he been uh, at the center of several Clinton controversies going back to the early 90s, including some seriously funding ones where Citibank was laundering money to the Clintons, uh, he has registered this IP. He is, If you track back the IP address, it's registered to him. Uh, and he's known as sort of the Clinton family's, uh, at least since the ni- since 97, he's been considered the Clinton family's technology expert. Wow. So this guy set up a server for them in their house. Uh, this Erica Holtman did. Uh, so operating her own server would afford Clinton additional legal opportunities to block government, private subpoenas in a criminal, administrative, or civil case because her lawyers could object in court before being forced to turn over any emails. And since the Secret Service was guarding Clinton's home, an email server that would have been well protected from theft or physical hacking. Because she's got, she's got Secret Service protection because Clinton was a previous... Uh, right, yeah. yeah. And you get it for life. Dude, they are living the life. Why does she want to be president? Why? Oh, man. More power? Oh, man. Uh, So here's the other thing that I find. This is the other thing I find fascinating about this story. Do you remember about uh, like three, four weeks ago, Jeb Bush came out and and released all his emails? Oh, yeah. He's like, here you go. Yeah, he knew this was coming, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first public sign of an email embargo uh, that uh, was now this now going all that's now going all over Hillary Clinton. This, she's all trapped in. Uh, came more than a month ago in an obscure court filing in a lawsuit demanding details of Clinton's response to attacks on U.S. facilities in Benghazi. Uh, but all signs Tuesday pointed towards a protracted legal morass as advocacy groups and the courts and Congress tried to determine whether Clinton's practice denied them access to critical information during her years in the Obama cabinet because of in Benghazi. Of course, this is going to be a major, major deal. And the first, and I go back to this, the first public sign of the uh, trouble was from a obscure court filing in a lawsuit a month ago. Mm. That means that Jeb Bush's people are so on top of things that they saw this coming. Kudos, kudos, yeah, kudos yeah. to his team. It, the 2016 election race is on big time, and Jeb Bush is gets the first win. I cannot, oh man, you know, I know. Election season, well, granted, they're always running for re-election, that being said. But, man, this this presidential campaign coming up next, oh, man, it's going to be so good. It's going to be Clinton like, versus oh. Bush, dude, I'd rather I'd rather drink acid. All right, so here, I'd rather watch a Pacquiao uh, fight. So now here's, a, here's an update from this morning on this Clinton email story. Uh, then we're done with this, All I right. think. But this is, there's, there's actually a little smoke here on this one. All right. From ABC Online. 
Boom. with that breaking news overnight. The New York Times revealing that Hillary Clinton used only a private email account, not a government account, as Secretary of State. Let's go straight to John Carl at the White House. And John, the Clinton team says she preserved and turned over all the emails required by law. But this report does raise questions about security and transparency. It sure does, George, and it will also likely become a big issue in the upcoming presidential campaign. Why did they even throw to him? That's all he has to contribute, and then he's done. Well, that's it? This morning, Hillary By the way, he makes $90,000 a year. After bombshell revelation. <laughs> way more than that. Yeah, I know. First reported by the New York Times overnight. So this is interesting. This is, this is really going out of control. So you got it on the ABC Morning. You got yeah. it on the New York Times. Yeah. She turned over 55,000 pages, Chase. It just, it just goes back to my original question. I mean, why set this up when she could have just used her State Department email? Well, obviously because, der, you know. Same way, same reason Colin Powell did. Yeah. Uh, all right. You want to talk a little ISIS? ISIL, Chris. Okay. You want to talk a little Dash? little Dash will do you. Uh, all right. Uh, so we, gotta, oh, we missed this story last week, but it's important because then it goes into the next couple of stories. So we start back with uh, good old ISIS doing some good old-fashioned recruiting. Three Brooklyn men are under arrest, two of them charged with planning to fight for ISIS either in Syria or, if that failed, here in the United States. If they were not able to uh, go, that they would seek to uh, acquire weapons here, handguns, uh, machine gun, and seek to attack, uh, uh, very specifically, uh, police officers. According to the FBI, agents first zeroed in on 24-year-old Abdurasal Duraboev last August when he wrote on an ISIS-affiliated website, quote, I'm in USA now. Is it possible to commit ourselves as dedicated martyrs anyway while here? What I'm saying is to shoot Obama and then get shot ourselves. So this guy posts this stupid crap on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he shows up on the FBI's radar, and then guess what? They go have a meeting with the guy, and... Will it do? One week later, the FBI found Jeroboam at his Brooklyn home. So picture this, right? Okay. Facebook says, hey, we've flagged this. We think this is offensive. They send it to the FBI. You got a guy who sits at an FBI <laughs> desk. He gets an email. It comes in and says, hey, the, uh, the Facebook team Actually, has no, flagged this. Actually, no, it's a Facebook notification. Maybe. Yeah. He comes in, he gets a notification. He says, hey, the, uh, the team at Facebook has flagged this for our review. Right. So this guy sitting at his desk has now got a Facebook lead. He goes out, he gets in his car, he drives down here and decides if this is going to be the new sucker, if this is going to be the new, pa- the new guy that's going to make oh. the boogie. The, or, you know, it just, it's just to can, fit the narrative. Tell me, tell me, I'm just, tell me this isn't what's happening, right? Is this not obvious? Is this not You find some dumb idiot who posts something stupid on Facebook. Re- you go down there, you frame him, and then we, you make we, him. We see this. We definitely see this. But remember, this isn't for us, Chris. This is for Joe Q public in America who gets all their information only from CNN and nothing else. It doesn't question it. agents that he wanted to fight with ISIS in Syria. He also repeated his threat targeting President Obama. All right, so the dude's on Facebook claiming he's going to kill Obama. Like, how dumb are you? Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be, but come on, that is really stupid. Yeah, like, what yeah. do you think's going to happen? Yeah, well, it's like saying that you want to do harm, you know. You, you don't say those things. You expect nothing and, and not get a knock. I bet there's, I want, I bet, I, you put anything about killing Obama on Facebook, and I bet they have an algorithm that just flags that S immediately. You will have a visit by the end of the day. <laughs> Officials say he even identified 19 year old Akwar Said Akhmatov as a friend and co worker who also wanted to wage jihad. Uh, what, uh, check out this ISIS training video where these, this is how if you're in ISIS, uh, you, you play on these jungle gyms and, uh, 
uh, the, and that that makes you a terrorist. I don't I don't know. I, have you ever noticed how the training videos are always them doing this kind of stuff, but yet then the kind of terrorism they do never has anything to do with them climbing on uh, stuff? What's with that? Yeah. Anyways, uh, and watch this, Chase. I just want you to watch this carefully. Watch this terrorism. Watch this training video. If you notice, it's sped up, too, to make them look like they're super fast. Friend and co-worker who also wanted to wage jihad. Up. <laughs> According to the complaint, after the FBI's visit, he emailed an administrator of the ISIS website telling him what he said to the agents. Quote, I will execute Obama, I said. Even after these words, they left me alone. Why? Because they think I'm establishing a jihadi group. The FBI alleges over the next few months, Jurabov and Said Akhmatov, along with 30-year-old money man Arbror Harbibov, stayed in constant contact, discussing the... And, the... and they see how the training people are just sitting there holding ISIS flags. This has to be staged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we've talked about the production, we've talked about the angles, we've talked about all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Look at this. Do you think this is, do you think this is anything? This is so fake. And look how weird that background looks, too. Oh, with the, with the wall? Yeah. Or, yeah. What is that? Oh, it's a, it's a wall to, to shield them from, from themselves and their, and their training compound. Stayed in or they can't ex- escape one oh, of the two. Okay. It just... And with the masks and everything... Like, oh, it's, they're always wearing the mask. Well, this, this is a set shot. It is. I mean, totally. It's, it's, so do you think these this guys... This is a true recruiting video, Do you Chris? think these guys just walk around wearing masks all the time? <laughs> I don't know. Discussing the difficulty and expense of traveling to Syria. One even allegedly proposed hijacking their flight to Syria and giving the plane to ISIS. Oh. Said Akhmatov really? told a government... Yeah, really? Right. Really? Right. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. They're going to hijack the plane, Chase. Really? I mean, really? Give the plane to ISIS. Really? Yeah. All right. Really? ISIL. Dash. informant that he couldn't really? travel because his suspicious mother had taken away his passport. The complaint says he also proposed that he might instead join the U.S. Army so he could spy on it or just open fire on American soldiers, killing as many as possible. The 19-year-old even went to a Department of Homeland Security office where he was photographed and fingerprinted in preparation for receiving his new travel documents. Mm -hmm, Yeah, that's why he was there. Yeah, sure. Last month, he allegedly told an informant, I will just go and buy a machine gun, AK-47, go out and shoot all police. Boom. Then we will go to the FBI headquarters, kill the FBI people. You know, that's all you got to do. You just get the gun. And then, uh, okay, of course, it's an AK-47, and uh, you go into the FBI headquarters, and boom, you kill the FBI people because that's how people think. That's all you got to do. You just, I'll go kill all the police people and all the FBI. Oh, my. Give me a break. Uh. And Aaron, the two wannabe jihadis were here at this court in the Eastern District of New York. Uh, they said they understood the charges against them. They are going to be detained until trial. They're scheduled to be back on March 11th. But you know, it was interesting when they walked in. They're about five foot two, dark hair. The younger one, sort of five foot two, sort of shoulder length. Both of them wearing hoodies. Uh, the 19-year-old wearing these black and red pants. Ah, oh, kids, you know, it's a shame. Mm, yeah. Leather sneakers, high tops uh, from which the laces had been removed. The charges against them are very serious. Once the FBI identified the first individual who was online, they were able to get the other two and seal the case with the help of a confidential informant, Aaron. 
Hmm, confidential informant and uh, on finding them online. Very interesting. Now, uh, let's go to this week. This one, Chase. Yes. The new spin. Oh, another one? This time it's not a team being recruited. It's a team doing the recruiting. Dun, oh. dun, dun. He allegedly helped a man travel to Syria to fight with ISIS. Allegedly, by the way. online to connect That's the recruit to the terror group. The alleged recruiter, alleged. a 17-year-old boy in the suburbs of Washington. That's according to a law enforcement official. Another alleged. The Washington Post reports the boy lived... The Washington Post in Woodbridge, Virginia. ISIS are putting out their propaganda message over social media. Uh, teenagers are using social media more than any other demographic. So wow. it's no surprise that somebody who's 17 uh, would become involved in pro-ISIS activities. FBI agents raided the townhouse where the alleged recruiter lived. Alleged? Oh, man. How many know? times are we going to say alleged here? Yeah, and again with the social network, right? Yeah. Leading him outside in handcuffs, <gasps> according to handcuffs? the Post. The FBI is not commenting. The boy is in custody and is charged as a juvenile. An official with the Prince William County Public Schools tells CNN the young man is enrolled at this high school, Osborne Park, in Manassas, Virginia, but is not currently attending classes. This follows other high-profile cases of young Americans being enticed to try to join ISIS. This is such bullshit. This is such bullshit. If you are listening to this and you think young people in America are being enticed to join ISIS, you're a stupid person. That's bullshit. This is such crap. The teenagers in America, they care more about the Cardassians and what apps they're getting updated on their iPad than now, they give to. They don't even know well, where Syria well, is. Now, they don't even no, know where uh, Syria no, 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 is, no. Chase. They don't oh, give whoa, a- whoa, whoa, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That being said, there are uh, we know of young juveniles out there that are not happy with things that are happening in their lives. And yes, they're going to act out. No, I don't think they're reaching out to ISIS. But yes, they do vent. You know, we you know kids when we were kids, we vented out too, yeah, but we yeah. didn't go and search out ISIS. But what they're trying to do, obviously, is paint this narrative that, you know, there's some troubled youth out there. We need to have closer eyes on them. We right. need to know what's going on here right. because. We have some that are trying to join ISIS, which is not true. There are more kids that are are killing each other over drug deals gone wrong and other things like that than this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I I think I think it's yeah. I just I think it's I think it's. I will I will say this though. If I was a video production kid when I was sixteen years old and I saw some of the production values that ISIS has, I'd be impressed. I would be impressed. I wouldn't mind going doing Final Cut for ISIS. I would be want to know how they do their green screen so well. Yeah. Maybe they use Reflect Media. I wonder if they could use Wirecast. Do some. You know what? ISIS could live stream <laughs> those beheading videos, dude. And they can stream into Twitch and dude, everything. It'd be great. You know what? Let's go join ISIS. <laughs> Good benefits. Those other high-profile cases of young Americans being enticed to try to join ISIS. Two men from the New York area, including a 19-year-old, picked up last month. Oh, yeah. A 19-year-old Somali-American from Minneapolis, Hamza Ahmed, grabbed by federal agents at JFK Airport just before his plane was to leave for Turkey. A law enforcement source says Ahmed posted these tweets saying he wanted to become a jihadist and, quote, be a martyr. What prompts a young person to want to leave America and join ISIS? They usually are those that are very isolated. Okay, so uh, computer geeks? Uh, former uh, FBI agent. Upset about one issue or another. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That could be. Well, uh, that's what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. And have, you know, some variety of motivations. Sometimes it's psychological. Sometimes it's family issues. Other times it's social. Huh. 
A top FBI counterterror official recently said over the past year or two, ISIS and other groups have gotten better and better at spotting potential recruits and that younger and younger people are being recruited. This official said in the U.S., the FBI has seen children as young as 15 years old recruited by ISIS. Well, you know, Chris, you know, the job market right now is tough, you know, and, uh, you know, in some areas of the country, you know, it's uh, there's a competition out there. So ISIS, you know. Uh, you know, I, tr- I haven't uh, followed them yet on LinkedIn, but uh, no doubt they're probably on there. So, yeah, maybe I just haven't been able to come across them yet. Yeah. I haven't been able to come across them yet. One maybe more, you're ISIS not troubled story. enough, Chris. This jihadi John story, it it fascinates me. I think this is a perfect example of where they've effed up the ISIS story somewhere. Because if you remember, we also had John Cantlie. John Cantlie was the one that was targeted for the U.S. audience. And Jihadi John was targeted to the UK audience. Okay, Jihadi John wasn't for us. No. In fact, Jihadi John has gotten way, way more play over there than he gets over here. Yeah. We've only really talked about Jihadi John a couple of times, but for some reason, and, and you get a better picture of this if you watch the State Department briefings. So you're going to have to kind of trust me on this. Okay. But uh, the, I, I could probably, I'll, maybe I can go find it while this clip is playing. Um, the, the, the narrative kind of gets messed up because this Jihadi John guy, like we've, he didn't name himself Jihadi John. The media came up with this right, name, yeah, right? They came up, and the spin, guy that yeah. they claim he was is like just not a good fit at all. It doesn't make any sense. Now have seventy-two hours. He's been the voice of some of ISIS's most brutal terror videos. Calm, ruthless, and with a distinct and surprising British accent. Our knife will continue to strike the next. Of your people. Now, UK authorities have identified the terrorist known as Jihadi John as Mohammed Mwazi, a 26 year old British national born in Kuwait but raised in London. Though US officials would not publicly discuss his suspected identity, today the White House said Jihadi John is a top terror target. In the mind of the president, he ranks highly on the list because uh, the, in, that individual is responsible for the murder of innocent Americans, and the president's determined to bring them to justice. Mwazi illustrates ISIS's alarmingly broad appeal from a well-off family earning a college degree in technology at the University of Westminster and until his travel to Syria in 2012, enjoying a life of privilege. Today, his friends said they never saw signs of his future as a terrorist. He was such a beautiful young man, really. um... He was weak. He was thin. He was a computer guy. You know, it's it's hard to imagine the trajectory, but it's not a trajectory that's unfamiliar with us for us. Mwazi's friends say his path to radicalization may have begun in 2009 when he traveled to Tanzania to go on a safari, a graduation present from his parents. But he was detained on arrival, held overnight, then deported to the UK. Authorities suspecting his true intention was to travel to Somalia. In 2010, he was detained again by counterterrorism officials in Britain. Just two years later, Mwazi is believed to have traveled to Syria, where he joined ISIS. His friends claim mistreatment by British authorities set him on a path mm. to terrorism. Mm-hmm. Our entire national security strategy for the last 13 years has only increased alienation, has only increased people feeling like they don't belong. Yeah, I'll ding that. Mm. Uh, so that's Jihadi John. Now here's what's doesn't. Now listen to this clip. This is uh, 
So uh, Jen Saki, she is the new uh, state's uh, Jen Jen Harf. No, yeah, it was Marie Harf. I, Marie Harf was the previous one. Now it's Jen. Okay. She works for the. She's the state's department. Uh, she works for Carrie. Uh, she's talking to Matt, who works for the AP. We've played Matt before on the show, okay. and he's, uh, he's saying, "Well, wait a minute here, Jihadi John." Well, you last week, the State Department, while well, the week we were off, came out and said, you know what the problem with ISIS is? What's the problem with ISIL, Chris? They need jobs. Just give them some jobs. Just give them if, some jobs. If they had jobs, they wouldn't be going and getting paid to shoot guns. They're, they're uneducated. We need to help them get educated. We need to give them guns. The problem is that's why they hate America, because they're stupid. Seriously. And, and, and she, was on, she went on Wolf, and she said this, that she tried to clarify it later on another CNN program. She said this, she said this during the State Department briefing. And then Jihadi John comes out, and all of a sudden, Jihadi John, he's gone to college. He worked uh-huh. in IT. He's very smart. He's, what This doesn't line up. And all of a sudden, he's this big guy. He's this most important ISIS guy. What's going on here? How come these narratives don't match? Whether or not this is or is not his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, is of a middle-class, college-educated uh, person who had a who had a job, who had employment, and I'm just wondering if the fact of that that fact, if it is in fact true, gives you any pause to the idea that it is primarily economic disadvantagement, joblessness, that kind of thing that is fueling this rise in ex- uh, in ex- so the State Department won't even confirm this guy's identity, even though supposedly uh, we've confirmed it with British intelligence, but publicly we won't confirm it to the press. Mm. So he says, OK, well, what about this narrative? Doesn't this, doesn't this sort of go against your narrative? Right. Well, let me just reiterate just for everybody um, some on-the-record points here just so everybody has them. Get your pen out, Chase. These are on-the-record points. OK, these okay. are on-the-record points. All right. Uh, we continue to investigate the murder of American citizens by ISIL. Uh, we will not comment on ongoing investigations and therefore are not in a position to confirm or deny the identity of this individual. Uh, broadly speaking on your question, without addressing the specific reports about the... Now, that sounds like bullcrap. Why can't they... I'd listen to what she says here. ...to confirm or deny the identity of this individual. Uh, the, an ongoing investigation? This isn't a criminal investigation. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a bullcrap excuse. <laughs> That's not a legitimate excuse. Broadly speaking on your question without addressing the specific reports about the individuals, Mm -hmm. I think our view is that that is a factor in terms of the lack of opportunity, Uh, but we're not suggesting it's the only factor. There are a range of tactics that ISIL, of course, takes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that is uh, that is not Victoria. I think that was actually Maria. Uh, so there you go, Jotty John. Uh, kind of breaks the uh, narrative we had we've had here in the U.S., but I guess it works okay over there. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to round out the show now, Chase. Yes. We've talked about Brian Williams. Bry Why. Bry Why. Bry Why. Bry Why is not the only one. Uh, you've heard? Have, have you heard that Bill O'Reilly has been in a little bit of trouble? Yeah. Well, obviously, Bill O decided to go after Bry Why. And so now people are going after Bill. Yeah. And uh, this clip kind of sums up some of what's going on for good old Bill O'Reilly. And I just love watching the mainstream media go after each other. <sighs> so much it's, fun. It's it's almost a little gross, but at the same time, it's just like, get me some popcorn and sit back and enjoy. Yum, 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 yum. And since the Brian Williams fallout last month, there's been quite a bit of talk about just how much of what journalists report as eyewitness accounts are possibly full of embellishment. Most recently, corporate media giant Fox admitted that one of their most popular anchors, Bill O'Reilly, is apparently among the showbiz fabricators as well. I was joined earlier by RT correspondent Manuel Rapolo, and I first asked him what Bill O'Reilly is in trouble for now. 
Well, like you said, this latest scrutiny on Bill O'Reilly arrives on the heels of that backlash against Brian Williams for essentially lying about one of his reports. With Bill O'Reilly, uh, he's the host of Fox News' O'Reilly Factor. What's going on is that in one of the books that he's written, it's called Keep It Pithy, Useful Observations on a Tough World. He writes, Keep it pithy, not pithy. Keep it, <laughs> keep it pithy. Keep it, keep it pithy that quote, I've seen soldiers gunned down at unarmed civilians in Latin America, Irish terrorists kill and maim their fellow citizens in Belfast with bombs. Okay, so that seems totally plausible. Reporters see all kinds of things out in the field. But what happened in this instance is that the Washington Post had been recently grilling O'Reilly about this specific line in his book, and it turns out that it's not true. Uh, this is what Fox News said in a statement to the Washington Post in this regard. They said, quote, O'Reilly was not an eyewitness to any bombings or injuries in Northern Ireland. Instead, he was shown photos of bombings oh. by Protestant police officers. <laughs> so laugh? there you have Fox News she admitting. Laughed. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's coming from Fox News, Chase. Yeah, well, obviously the only answer here, Chris, is because you know Fox News has integrity of their news department to uphold and keep, is to suspend Bill O'Reilly for at least the next six months and have some other right. guy take yeah, of over. of course, of course. I mean, that's the uh, only answer. There's here. also a few other statements they'll go into, but that clip will be in the supporters' sink if you want to watch the other statements that O'Reilly has lied about on yes. there. Uh, all right. Now, uh, before we get done talking about ISIS completely, I don't want to move too far ISIL, away from that. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I actually think we have the solution in front of us. Oh, really? Oh, it's obvious, too. What's the and, new Final Cut Pro 10? No, the solution to ISIS, dude. Oh, what's what's the what's the solution? What do you got? Easy peasy. What is it? Is, I, I, it, is it something we can use Amazon Prime for? Get ready for the Red Book prediction of a lifetime, my friend. All you got to do is elect President Donald Trump. Oh! On ISIS, nobody, if I decide to run and win, nobody <laughs> would be tougher than Donald Trump. Nobody. Nobody, Chase. Did you hear the half claps? Uh, yeah, okay. I would hit them so hard and so fast <laughs> that they wouldn't know what happened. <laughs> I would find a general. Remember the old days of General MacArthur and General Patton and these great generals. Now, we must have somebody in there. But I laugh, as I say, and it's laughed through tears as you say, look, they're announcing when they're going to attack the other side. How often do you see that? In two weeks from now, we're sending soldiers over here. We're going to attack this. General MacArthur is spinning in his grave when he sees what we do. So you got to hit him hard. You got to hit him firm. And you can't play games. You got to go hard and fast and firm. Why does he got to? Why does he got to make all those innuendos like that? Why does it got to be like that? That's just awkward. You gotta go hard. We need that. Can somebody ISO that and send we it into the show, please? We need that ISO. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need that badly. I, we need that feature. Please go get you gotta that. Go hard. You gotta go fast. You, do you gotta want, go first. Do you want to talk about net neutrality at all? I mean, we. I, I feel like it, it happened while we were off. Well, I mean, it was. We we knew it was uh, that it was going to happen. Uh, obviously, down party lines. Um, we also predicted, and I, I need to find that prediction. But we 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 thought that obviously with it's gonna, lawsuits, it's going to become a fight. Yeah, it's gonna it's yeah. gonna go down. Like yeah. for example, back in Unfiltered one thirty two. Okay, a couple weeks ago. One thirty two, uh, Title two passes. Okay, but the implementation, I said no Title two in twenty fifteen, meaning that lawsuits and all that kind of jazz yeah, is going to hold is going to hold up the show. I was surprised uh, that it did uh, that such a reversal that, that that it did go the way it did. 
Uh, and uh, you, I think, are, you know, I'm coming around to it. I'm starting to think because competition, any chance for competition is, is so gone, is right. so lost, yeah. that really we are kind of at the point now where Title II might be the necessary step. I don't know if Title II is the right step, but gov- yeah. some sort of government action is. Yeah. I think you're a little more positive on net neutrality. You think you think it's probably overall a good thing? Yeah, well, I, I was telling you about this last week. I was more impressed with the ruling that they had before the ruling about net neutrality uh, when it comes to you know opening up competition and the exclusivity contracts yeah. of and the, and municipalities and, the, and, and things the like up that. the Wi-Fi rules rules and stuff like yeah. that. Or, yeah, yeah. I like so, that a lot. But, but net neutrality itself, yeah. I, you think long-term, probably going to be a good thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing that a lot of people, you guys may not realize. Verizon has been using the articles of Title II to, uh, now this is when they were pushing out their expansion of Fios right. and their LTE networks. Right. Right. And a lot of things that they were doing oh, yeah. were under the guise. They were already under the guidelines of Title II. And they're taking and, advantage of it right, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when they say, well, it's going to stifle competition, and, and, and the, the childish way that they sent out a press release in Morris code, and then they converted that Morris code to a typewriter, yeah. uh, I mean, Talk about childish, Pretty but cute. but they're the ones who pushed this hand to begin That's right. with. Yeah, it started it started years ago when they made that deal with Google. Yes, and then it's been it's been going since. Yeah, then. so no, I I think any time a company or major ISP, I I I are, what I want to see is a rule that if you are an ISP, you cannot also be a content provider. You are for, you have to spin that off Whoa. because there's conf- or like, provide common carrier access. right because right now Comcast is conflicted. You know, they don't want people – I mean, by the way, uh, Comcast numbers came out for 2014, and they lost TV you know, uh, subscribers, but they gained so much more in internet-only subscribers. Yes, I saw that, yeah. And, and so it's one of those situations where when you have a company like Comcast that produces content yeah. and they're starting to lose people yeah. and, and switch over to the other side yeah. – what is their incentive? It's like you have one hand fighting with the other. I you think know, those I think, companies should be I mean, forced to spin Unfortunately, off. Chase, you know what you are? <laughs> you are a useful idiot, according to Glenn Beck. Yeah. I Does that so. sound like net neutrality? Does that sound like these big evil corporations don't have anything to do with anything? <laughs> right. It's a, I mean, it's being written by the big evil corporations and special interest groups. Your whole point is we don't want special interest groups and we don't want big evil corporations to have special access. They just wrote it, you nincompoop. You morons. You useful idiots. That's all you are. You're a useful idiot. Read Joe Stalin. You morons. And you know why it's happening? It's happening because our our uh, elite institutions, our education, our higher learning, bullcrap, not even our higher learning, our entire educational system has failed us, and they are churning out morons. <laughs> so that's the problem. You see? That's the problem. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, I, Glenn. I just, thanks for clarifying. I'm sorry. I just needed to laugh. I just Th- need to thanks, laugh. Glenn, for clarifying. Yeah. Thanks so, so much, buddy. Uh, here, here, we're not, it's no joke, though. We're taking the net neutrality thing very seriously. We're yeah. going to follow. We're going to watch who's going to try to fight it. We're going to try to keep the people honest. I think it's, this net neutrality is going to be one of these things where you're going to have some company saying one thing publicly while doing a completely different Yo, thing behind yeah. the scenes. Yep. We're going to try to find those people. Absolutely. I think I think this will work its way into 2016 elections, and we're going to follow it all the way. Yep, all so, the way. Yeah. Totally. All right. You know what, Chase? It is time. 
to end it on a high note. Hey. And uh, I think it's appropriate. We usually talk about, uh, when we're talking about Washington and pot, we're just talking about our local Washington. Yeah. We should give a little attention to D.C. Absolutely. What's going on over there? Washington, D.C. is fuming over marijuana, a law allowing recreational use went into effect today, but some members of Congress are threatening to have the mayor arrested. Here's Juliana Goldman. Joint session. Adam Eidinger (laughs) didn't waste any time. As soon as it became legal, the man who led the effort invited the press over to watch as he smoked a joint in his D.C. home. (laughs) It feels great. It feels like freedom. In November... I'm sure that's the first joint he's ever smoked. Ever. Yeah, because he coughed right after they (laughs) cut. District voters overwhelmingly approved Initiative 71, which allows adults to grow up to six plants and carry up to two ounces of pot. It's still illegal to sell the drug or smoke it outdoors. But some Republicans in Congress say it's all against the law. Maryland's Andy Harris. If you live in the District of Columbia, under the United States Constitution, you live under the jurisdiction of Congress. Congress has the final say. In December, Congress prohibited the city from spending any money to legalize pot. But D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser says the voters had already spoken. Um, We would encourage um, the Congress uh, to not be so concerned about overturning what seven out of ten voters said uh, should be the law in the District of Columbia. Two members of a House committee that oversees the district told the mayor she is in willful violation of the law (laughs) and demanded names of employees who worked on the initiative. Look it. You sons of bitches who keep implementing the will of the voters, we're going to come get you. Look at this guy. Looks like, look at him. Look, he looks like he's You listen tell. to me now. You listen to me. I'm going to come get you for representing them voters. There's up to two years prison time. You lose your job. There are fines involved. I mean, it's a serious, it's a serious violation because it's taking taxpayer money and spending it for something that Congress says you specifically can't spend taxpayer dollars on. We believe how that, many, that we're wait, at- How many times has Congress spent our taxpayer dollars on things that we don't want? I can't think of a single instance. <laughs> that is an egregious charge, sir. Oh, that is, on, that is egregious, oh. Jay. Uh, come on. The Congress says you specifically can't spend taxpayer dollars on. We believe that, that we're acting uh, lawfully. So I have a lot of things to do here in the District of Columbia. Me being in jail wouldn't be a good thing. <laughs> As for jail time, it would be up to the attorney general to prosecute. And that's unlikely in a Democratic administration. Now, Scott, pot isn't legal in all of D.C. It's still prohibited on federal lands, including all the monuments and museums. The district joins three states with recreational use now. Juliana, thanks very much. You know, what I find interesting is uh, how lucky D.C. is that they have the right mayor in that spot for this fight right now. Uh-huh. Because another mayor might cave, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so there you go. There's there's more stuff uh, in the uh, for the uh, high note if for the supporter sync, and there is also uh, more in the overtime folder. A lot more in the overtime folder, actually. About twenty one more clips Ooh. in the overtime. About a whole other show's worth of clips in the overtime folder. So if you are a, a five level Patreon member, that means you're going to get access to the Patreon sync. Don't forget, we now have that new two dollar a month level which we'd really appreciate your support because we're trying to get the numbers up because we really want to take the show to the next level, which means we need a little help with production on notes, read book stuff, and a few other things that we just don't really want to say on air. That's right. <laughs> little, little, <laughs> little secret plans that we want to surprise you guys with and keep you happy. But the NSA knows. Now, there's other ways you can participate in the Unfiltered Show other than monetary ways. That's right. You there's- can head over 
What? Oh, no, I'm oh. sorry. I was going to say, I mean, yeah. patreon.com slash unfilter. I was right. just going to get one more plug. All right, fair, fair enough. But you could also engage in the awesome conversation that is Reddit at unfilter.reddit.com, where you guys help drive the show by submitting stories into it. Uh, obviously, we got here a Cool Two Man, uh, Vernon Tuna, Low yeah, Fatty uh, submitting stories. Oh, some guy named Chris LAS with the top story from last week talking about why does the FBI have to manufacture its own plots if terrorism and ISIS are such great threats. Great Yeah, great even story. more show and a lot yeah. of good stuff help, helps really make a better show. So unfiltered.reddit.com. Thanks, everybody. Yes, sir. Now, Chase, yes. are you tweeting throughout the week? You should I, try it if you're I not. I do. Uh, you know, I head over to twitter.com slash Nunes. Oh, look at that background. Yeah, I uh, I s- decided to pay some homage uh, Ooh, to, uh, to powerful, Captain, Chase. That's to Captain Spock. Yes. Powerful, powerful All the message. souls I have That's encountered right. on my travels. Yes. Is with the most human. Human. All right. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter, twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. Right. And by the way. I am retweeting some of the best li- I did. Yeah. I mean, look at you. Look, oh, look yeah. at how Boom. handsome you are, by the way. I know. I can't help it. I can't help it. Like, who, me? Boom. Yes. No, I've just come to accept it, Chase. I live with it. It's my burden. <laughs> Are you podcasting these I, days? Chase? I podcast. I do lots of cool things, like I don't know Minecraft stuff. By the way, oh. now, we talked about this in the pre-show, but you know, hey, Doctor Seuss just celebrated a big birthday, so we decided to have members of our community Boom. build Doctor Seuss stuff. That's so check cool. that out at GeekGamer.tv. And why, why don't you join us live next Wednesday? Go to JBLive.tv. We start usually around six p.m. Pacific time. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar. Get in your local time zone. Then it's out Thursday mornings for download. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you right back here next week.